everybody. You're listening to Mutiny Radio. It's high noon. High noon. High noon. High noon here at Mutiny Radio. It's a Wednesday. It's every other Wednesday. You know what that means. It's time for Choose Poetry, Choose Life. The Zooming Zoom from Glasgow, Scotland with Aaron Gannon and Andy Talbot. They're on the Zoom right now. I'm going to plug them in in a second. The waiting room is filled up with people who want to read their poetry today. I've got poems today, too. I'm excited. I've got them in the styles of some other modernist poets. I also have an ode to Chuck, a love poem to Chuck. Going to get that. Excited about that one. Uh, listen to some music. We're going to be right back with Choose Poetry, Choose Life here on the AltaCast. High Noon, Mutiny Radio. Oh, I'm your host, Pam Benjamin. Ha-ha! <laughs> <laughs> got the funky music on in the background coming from Glasgow, Scotland. Oh, we got all the folks. <laughs> it is Barney Miller. All right. Sorry. I've just I've decided that for like until I can not do any more 70s songs that we've been on the show. Um come and knock on your door. <laughs> <laughs> um hi I just wanted to say, I'm going to go, I'm sorry, but I have, like, departmental weirdness to attend to uh, this week and next week, but um, obviously, you are in the awesome hands of Andy and Pam, you don't need me around. No, I, I, know, I noticed you didn't say capable hands. <laughs> capable, I don't know. <laughs> Did I say gentle? Some people don't like yeah. gentle, so capable is probably better. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. So that's it. I just wanted to say hi to all the new people. Um, and I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sorry that I, that I gotta say, play Barney Miller and run. <laughs> yeah. I'm play Barney Miller and run. So have a good time, you guys. And uh, like, I'll see you. I guess on the December 16th. Sweet. Good luck with the Sweet. departmental stuff. Yeah. Have fun. That night. Oh. Bomb. Oh, wait, I almost ended the meeting for all. <laughs> <laughs> it's over. That's it. You're That's it for today. Tonight, Pam. Hmm? <laughs> what? No Mark, poetry for you. It was, it's it. a short one. <laughs> well, we'll miss you terribly oh, and oh. your beautiful songs. Uh, your wonderful uh, Tenderloin remix. I, I can't wait for your opera rock musical to come out. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Mm. I want to be in it. <laughs> I, think you... um, I think she's going to do some this week as well at uh, Portry and the Brew on Saturday. I am enjoying that Finn keeps disappearing into the cover of the book. That's extreme. Oh. That's delightful, mate. He's <laughs> like big sucked in. I am my book. <laughs> oh, that's rad. Well, cool. 
I've here we got are. my copy somewhere. It's here. Oh, wow. I just. Mind you, I've got mine, but mine is in my car, so. I need to. Casually, so passengers can see it, you know. <laughs> um, for the radio listening audience, why don't you plug that book right now, The 100 Voices? Then plug the book for the radio listening audience. Tell them where they can get it. It's on Amazon. I was going to buy it, but I don't actually have my own Amazon account, so I have to borrow a friend's Amazon account and then put my credit card on their account. <laughs> but I'm excited to uh, get a copy of the book as well. I had to buy My mom wanted to buy it. You know, I could have got it, but she said, no, no, I'll buy it. I'll buy it. And I got her copy through before I got my author's copy through. <laughs> well, tell the people how they can get their own copy and what it's about. Tell it's, them the... um, I'll put the link on. Um, it's about 100 pages long. No, it's, it's about... Uh, it started off back in May when I wrote a verse of a poem. And then I asked someone else if they wanted to write the next verse by taking one word at least one word from the last line of the verse and put it in the first line of their verse. And it kind of just snowballed. You know, I expected, well, you know, something to do during uh, during May and be fun, you know. But I ended up snowballing, and then by July, when I got the 100th verse on it, I thought, well, I'm just going to stop now. But then I started again because people say, oh, you have to do another one, you have to do another one. So... The process is ongoing. The last time it was mainly non-poets with a good scattering of poets through it. This time, it's pretty much mainly all poets with a scattering of non-poets through it, which is there. And there's a few people here, uh, uh, like Andy and a couple others, are getting their second second bite at the cherry because they they asked to go as well. So. At the moment, I think I'm at verse 27. I'm waiting for 28 to get done. And poets are further poets. They can be ridiculously slow at times <laughs> in writing four lines, you know. Um, but that's fine. Uh, so I think I've got 28 and about another 10 in line. So I'm pretty close to... Maybe a third of the way through the second one, you know. So, but what's the for the radio listening audience for the people that can't see the link? What what should they look up in Amazon? They look up a uh, hundred voices. Right, so they can look up joined up right in one hundred voices, and they'll find it. There's other things for joined up right in, but it's usually like um, I don't know pencil cases and notebooks <laughs> and. And stuff like that. So. Joined up writing a hundred yeah, voices. Look it up right now on Amazon and go buy your copy. Um, it. It's it's just called Joined Up Writing One Hundred Voices on Amazon. And the cover, if you open it up, Beth, to show the cover, it's supposed to be me right up and down the middle. For those that's not on Radio Land, but the picture didn't come out quite as good and as it would in a bigger tome, shall we say? But. My wife doesn't like the cover, so she never bought it. So. <laughs> <laughs> Supportive spouses. Uh, Rad, well, I just wanted to get that plugged out for the radio listening audience. Joined up Thank writing you. 100 voices. Check it out. It's 100 different poets that all came together during COVID to write about their experience 
being sequestered. And I mean, the, they go all over the place, the poems, actually. Uh, it's a really neat piece. So, and yeah, this time I've done different though. Instead of giving, as you guys did it the first time, now that I gave you the last verse, this next time, this time I'm just giving people the last line. Mm. So they're getting, they get work harder and um, mm. they have got to uh, take it the way. And some of them are just doing it. And the likes of, uh, uh, what's his name, John Wessick, he just did his last line. And it's a doozer, um, a real cracker of a last line that is like, okay, dare you try and find something to, poetic to write on, this one, on that one. I'll find it to you and read it to you later. I'll have to look it up. It's, uh, it's reminiscent uh, of the of the burrows of the exquisite corpse where you only get to see the last line and then you pass it around the room and you come up with a poem. It's, it's, a, really, it's a really neat idea. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. It means people have to well have it. I've got it here. It's just open. Give me two seconds. And the last the last verse of part one was actually written by my twelve year old granddaughter and she took a while to do it, but it was quite it was a really great last verse, like. Uh, and John Wessick's last line just now is um uh, all I need to complete my literary failure is a lover dying of tuberculosis. <laughs> <laughs> Literally a killer line. Oh. <laughs> and uh, Mel, who's got to just now? Mel, uh, Mel Rodderwood End. She's got, she's got to deal with that one just now. So. <laughs> hey, Andy. Who's first? Who's on first? Hi. No. Oh, what? On. What's on first? Who's on second? Um. So I'll do a quick introduction for people who have joined us for the first time. Um, this is Choose Poetry, Choose Life. Um, it started when Erin um, was part of the Stay at Home Fringe Festival in the early part of lockdown. I can't remember exactly when it was because this year is ridiculous <laughs> for everything. Um, yeah, so we decided, um, I decided to do an open mic event there uh, to run one. She helped. Um, and then we didn't want to stop, so we just kept doing it every week. But we've dropped back to every two weeks now because I'm back at work. Um, we don't really have any rules apart from one, and that is don't be a dick. Um, which, I, which is like, uh, yeah, it's, it's a good rule. Um, but no, all that we ask is um, when you introduce yourself, uh, give your pronouns, um, just so that we know. Um, and that's about it, yeah. Um, it goes without saying, no hate speech, no any types of phobia, any isms. Yeah, like I think everyone knows how to not be a, a dick. Uh, how long do we have each? That is it. That it should be part of the introduction. Um, yeah. Um, we don't really care. We normally say about like six, seven minutes, but we we're not going to cut you off if you if you go over. Mostly because I'm not keeping track of the time. Um, but yeah, just, just as long as you want within reason, just don't be a dick with the time. Right. Um, yeah. Okay, we're going to have someone doing poetry now because I am going off on so many tangents. Um, Wait, before we get started, I, I want to say about the about like the no hate speech and all that um, and about 
poems and whatnot. I've been going back through a lot of my old poetry from like 10, 12 years ago. And I realized I had some really racist tropes in there that I didn't, it's, I've grown through this Zoom so much that I've looked back at my other work and been like, whoa. And it's actually had me look at some of my comedy and be like, am I, where am I punching? Am I punching up? Am I punching down? Why punch down? And it's, it's sort of just changed my perspective like my perspective has changed over time and it's interesting to go back and see like I mean I just I cut out a a whole stanza today out of one of my poems because I was like what was I trying to say with that like it was super just uncomfortable and had racist overtones and I was like whoa but I wouldn't have even thought that way unless I'd grown through this group so thank you everybody yay Awesome. <laughs> look at me pat myself look and at me recognizing my white privilege yay <laughs> like... <laughs> um, so i've just been told to let ken in the room but ken isn't in the ken isn't in the waiting room so i can't let him in because he's not there he is hang on a minute he's just sent me a text he's not on the screen doesn't usually start this late does it i'm still waiting to be let in Hmm. Uh, has he got the right link? I don't know. I'm gonna send him. Um, so I'm gonna hold on. Pulling back the veil. You're listening to Mutiny Radio. As you can tell, everyone was very organised. Here in Donisf, <laughs> zooming live from Scotland, and everywhere else too. I think that we're we have an international representation uh, here. And just for all you all you people in in. It, all you people over there in the UK, wow, I've been watching that Crown series, and man, the aristocracy is crazy. I have all this new respect for Princess, or Princess Elizabeth, for Queen Elizabeth, excuse me, Princess Margaret. I'm like learning about the royal family. I never knew anything about them, and now I'm like, oh, this is scintillating. So, good job with your history. Yeah, they're, all, they're basically all, they're basically all dicks as well, though. <laughs> Okay, we'll get it. We'll get started. Um, okay, we're gonna go with. And please apologize. I apologize um, if I get this wrong, and I think I remember it correctly. But if I don't, tell me where is on mute. There we go. Tiana, is that yes, right? right? Awesome. Did you not get an email? Is that what that is that what you meant by that? The first email someone sent me my email as the Zoom link. Oh, that's <laughs> yeah. um, that's not going to get you in. No, I got it eventually. Don't worry. <laughs> I thought it was one of you, so I thought I'd make a joke, but <laughs> clearly not. Oh no, I am no, I rent us the emails and oh, stuff. Okay. So yeah, <laughs> no, but I'm glad I'm glad you made it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we're not going to kick just seven eight minutes. Just yeah. yeah. Um. So everyone else will be muted. Uh, okay. And then we'll unmute at the end. Just introduce myself vaguely and... Yeah. Yeah? Okay. okay. So, I'm Tiana. I'm a member of the 2020 Bass Bar Slam team. Yay. I'm a Cornish mason who lives such a messy life, I'll never run out of material. Gay, disabled, and pretty annoying. That's kind of me. Um, I've got two poems um, ready. Uh, one's about... Um, I've literally forgot. Um, lucid dreaming when you can't wake up, but you're awake. And I've got one about uh, my girlfriend, which is just my usual format, to be honest. So I'll go. 
In the state in between knowing and the unconscious, I live to see horrors beyond comprehension. I live, but don't live and see what is not there. Against the screen of the backs of my eyelids, moving rapidly, searching in darkness. Cease your gaze, careless watcher, for here you might find something you can only perceive once. Your body in rigor mortis, and I don't know how Alice saw this as Wonderland. With these eldritch horrors climbing the wall in bright colours I can't remember. Beckoning with poisonous more, these scaly feathered fiends with harpy beaks and lying claws, abstract bodies prowl this mindscape. No food here, no hunger, but growing and shrinking and shaping and changing and screaming and shaking, no movement beyond the mattress. I can't tell if my eyelids are open because I can't feel my eyes and I spent so long staring listlessly at the ceiling. I've got perfect recollection in my mind, but I don't recall these malevolent shadows that inch closer since I've always slept without a light. I've never been one to face my demons, but this mindscape doesn't leave much room for prey. Spending my night trying to escape the day, this place doesn't allow for running. Bringing fear forefront my mind, just begging on my knees for something that will ground me in a place with no floor. Something to tie me anywhere to stop me floating in a breathless void in which I can feel the acid in my stomach, but not the socks upon my feet. There are these shadow men, monster men, darkness defined. Their smiles don't scream safety and their hands and claws and nails reach towards my face. These shadow men are bitter distortions of static air. They crackle in movement, making every hair on your arms rise, making you tensely wait for lightning pain. These shadows men, fingers linger slowly, surely traced in skin, bile rising in a frozen throat. I've never welcomed the touch of man. I can't feel what part of me is lost to this not dream. Here, none can escape wakefulness. The demons that plague the daytime can reach us here. Please try to sleep, lest you never wake. The monsters under your bed don't always wait till you're asleep. So that's that one. <laughs> and uh, my second one is about um, pronouns and my girlfriend. Oh, I forgot to say my pronouns. I'm she, her. It's on my thing, but yeah. Oops. Um, so this one sucks. Okay. Oh gosh, I haven't seen you in a while. Yeah, I've not been doing too bad. Oh, I haven't seen them for a while. I've got a new partner now. I think I've met my soulmate. They embody beauty in a non-gender specific way. I can't say handsome, but pretty is suspiciously feminine. And I shouldn't have to hide my girlfriend behind ambiguous terms, but it's safer but it's safer and I'm scared to see hand muscles twitch, face flinch, hands to fists, so I say they are everything. I met them at uni, we shared the same subject. They taught me how to dance in bars, how to fall down the stairs dead drunk while still looking ephoral, and they showed me how much there is to love in my own sex. Not saying they taught me to love myself, but to appreciate shared beauty in what I am. And to say that they bought me flowers when I was sad. I pressed the petals between pages and sent them poems in return. And to this stranger friend, I want to gush about how I found my heart in another body. But I don't want to know how they see my partner when I tell them. She likes to plait my hair to make me feel safe. Yes, she. She is my sapphic love slip pronouns to lady. I struggle to suppress her majesty under anything neutral. Please don't look at me like that. This is how I was born to love. I tried to change her to appease a stranger and the words, the words felt so foreign on my tongue. A clumsy cherry stem not tied in a lusty bitterness. A fake kind of love. 
And she's always tasted more like strawberries and the truth tastes better on my lips. So when the stranger asks, how's the husband, I correct it to miss. Because she is the glass figure of excellence, but sometimes I'm scared the next hurdle will be her last. There's only so long you can listen to rose thorn heckles without being sick of being pricked. This is the price of our love. The glares on our hands join too scared to kiss in public, too scared to pull her fringe about her ear and tell her that one day it'll be better. I won't have to hide her pronouns to avoid a necessary conflict with strangers, won't have to hide our hands beneath our sleeves, just be able to be too scared to put hope in such a fragile thought when she is such a fragile thing, but our love is not. Our love is a scalpel, sh scalpel sharp, shield deflection, see how their opinions fare against a sword, our spirits are strong. A different kind of metal that is forged in hellfire, both the spirit and the element of soul and earth. And we have faced enough poker brand burns to know that we won't be set alight. Thank you. Yay! Yay! <laughs> yay! That's great. Okay, so I've asked everyone to unmute just so we can give you a round of applause because that was fucking awesome. <laughs> I love it. Beautiful poems. Brilliant. That was, yeah. Um, so my memory is abysmal. Um, so I wrote a couple of things down that I like, but I, I couldn't. I couldn't write enough. I couldn't keep up with it. Um, I see. Thank you. <laughs> so I, oh, I've got to let someone in. Admit, yeah, you were coming. Um, I think there was a line in the first poem. It was I can't remember. I just remember somebody vibrated. Um, fingers linger, and then it went into this whole thing. But like the whole flow and rhythm there was like amazing. Like that was so good, and um. The line after you said something about handsome and then you said, I can't call you handsome, but pretty is feminine. I, I can't remember, totally memory is terrible. But that bit there was, yeah, that was like, it was really wholesome. And then it got a bit sad, but overall it was mostly wholesome. Like, yeah. No, I love that. Thank very you. easy to write about my girlfriend, don't worry. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, that was awesome. Thank love you. That. Thanks for coming as well, by the way. Thank you. Thank you. Um, Thanks for letting me. Okay, who, who's going next? Am I too late? No, you can go next. Asking questions. Hi. Do you want to go? Generally, tomorrow. Oh, I didn't realize it was my. Oh, I didn't realize I was next. Okay. I just, Wait, you weren't, but then, then you said I just came across the email because, you know, you don't, I, I did it so late, I get it on the day of, and, you know, sometimes you don't realize it's there. Okay, so bear with me one second. You um, don't have uh, to go now, I, I was just joking. No, I will go. I'll do a brand okay. new poem that I wrote yesterday. Awesome. Called A Most Honorable Warrior's Death. So many poetry people I know have said poetry has saved their lives. I feel the same several times over. The same story is told in a million different voices around the world. Poets are warriors. Poets are fighters. Poets are Olympic pugilists. Our enemies, our nemeses, our sparring partners are simultaneously our mirrors and our pasts. Our present tense existences are fleeting moments in which we contemplate our lives, our decisions, our relationships, our families, our words run through our veins to our hearts and through our nerves to our brains. 
we spit them out as poetry, exposing them to the elements, singing the entirety of everything to a glorious death, memorialized on page to be read both out loud and in silence, not only by us, but also others who have experienced pieces of our lives and their separate lives. Our epitaphs become their epitaphs. Our poetry is a universal graveyard that transforms death into life. Thank you. Hey, this is the first time I've read this piece, so congratulations, everyone. <laughs> that was awesome. That, that was the first time. That was brilliant. Gracias. Mm, ah, thanks, thanks for coming as well. Just in the nick of time. Just in the nick of time. Well, thank you, Andy Talbot. I'm jealous of your beard, but you know that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm jealous of your background. Where is that? Um, well, I call it Sunrise in Chernobyl, but it's actually um, in New Orleans, but I like to say it's Chernobyl, so. It kind of makes it look like you're sitting in the middle of a desert. Three-eyed bears walk the streets in Chernobyl. I feel like, you know, I say Chernobyl because I think whenever there's a disaster, there's always something beautiful, but the whole comes with the ugly, because like the day after a hurricane, and I've been through several hurricanes, because I grew up in Mobile, Alabama on the Gulf Coast, day after a hurricane is always the most beautiful weather. Of course, there are trees and branches and all types of, and shingles and everything all over the place. So, you know, mm -hmm. you gotta clean up the mess, but it's always the prettiest weather the day after the hurricane. So, I would like to think this is what the sky looked like after Chernobyl. Mm -hmm. I love that. That's awesome. Oh, well, wow. My imagination is, is halfway good. Yeah, so let's have a scroll through. Who's next? Oh, I just want to say hello to Pam. <laughs> hey! Generalissimo. Yeah, we're uh, hanging out here at MutinyRadio.fm and .sf. So many international people represented. I love it. We've gotten a lot, and this has been incredibly helpful for the station. We've gotten a lot more listenership from, like, Europe because of, I believe, this podcast. So thank you all for doing this and telling your friends to listen to you and whatnot. Who's next? That's amazing. That's awesome. Right. So next is Jeff. Hey. Hi, Jeff. It appears next is me. Uh, my name is Jeff. Uh, my, my pronouns are he and him, but if you get pissed off, you can say it. Well. <laughs> um, and I've got some new shit. This is uh, called Zach the Weirdo. Look at him. Look at that weirdo who lives down the street. That's Zach. Zach the Weirdo. Weirdo Zach. What a weirdo. The weirdest kid in our high school. He never wants to hang out at the mall or shoot hoops with us or smoke behind the abandoned factory. Weird kid. All he ever wants to do is sit at home. Just sit at home and write his stupid stories. Weird stories, too, weirdo Zach. He never wants to get out and party like the rest of us. Never wants to chug a keg of beer and then race his parents' car down a busy street with us. Never wants to moon anybody at a public event. Never <laughs> wants to eat a live cockroach for a buck. What's wrong with his weirdo? He just ain't natural like us. Oh, look at Zach, now that he's in college. 
Look at him going on stages and making an ass of himself, the weirdo. Going on stages and reading his stupid stories and poems for people. Doesn't he know how stupid he looks? Now look at him, writing more of his weird stories and emailing them to magazines and websites. Look at him getting those rejections. Ha ha ha, you got rejected, you reject. Of course you did, you dumb weirdo. Never does anything sensible. Never goes to house parties and makes out with drunk girls on the couch. Never drops acid while delivering pizzas and sweeping Burger King floors. Never pukes on the sidewalk outside a dance club. Never vandalizes public property. He's so weird. Weirdo, Zach. Why are you so weird, you weirdo? Oh, now look at him. Look at him. All by his stupid weird self. Writing his stupid weirdo novel. All that time and work, Zach. Why? And look at him. Getting all excited because his stupid story got published in this dumb, pretentious, artsy magazine nobody reads. Weirdo, Zach. Zach the weirdo. Why doesn't he do normal stuff? Never even gets into fistfights at hockey games. Never hits on women in bars and then lectures them about things they already know. Never cuts people off on the highway and then gives them the finger. Ha ha ha, now look at him. Reading his weird, dumb poem on the radio. Nobody's listening to you, Zach. Nobody understands your poem because it's so weird. Now look at him. Look at him in this meeting with this stupid literary agent. Look at them, how weird and dumb they look. I mean, what the hell? I bet they never have any fun. Ha 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 ha, look at him now. Look at weirdo Zach with all his stupid books displayed in those stupid, boring bookstores. Look at his dumb name at the top of that bestseller list in those newspapers. Look at him reading his boring stories aloud on TV and stuff. Weirdo Zach, you know how silly you look? Now look at him landing deals with those phony Hollywood movie studios. And now they're giving him awards and stuff. Look at him with his stupid picture on the cover of that magazine. What a bad picture. Everybody's laughing at it, you weirdo. And they're calling you crazy stuff like the voice of a generation. Joke's on you, weirdo. Generations don't have voices. <laughs> now look at him getting a stupid Pulitzer Prize. Do you know how dumb you look, weirdo Zach? Zach the weirdo. What a wasted life. He's never done anything normal like us. I bet he's never even been arrested for peeing on a war memorial. <laughs> never married his high school sweetheart and then cheated on her after she gained weight. Never went to a rock concert while wearing the t-shirt that he bought at the same band's last concert. Never set fire to his buddy's trailer by accident. Never shot an endangered animal and then taken a picture of himself posing with it. Never attended a huge indoor rally without a mask during a global pandemic. Never even ate three steaks in one meal. Never followed those three steaks with a bucket of fried chicken and five beers. Never followed that with a dessert of bacon poutine covered in potato chips. Never followed that with a massive heart attack. And I better knew he never even, even, what the hell? <laughs> I, I think I'm, I'm having a, a heart attack, but, but that's okay. At least I'm not a weirdo like Zach. <laughs> weirdo, Zach, you're so dumb. And <laughs> that was called Zach the Weirdo. That was new. I have another new one, but I don't know. Part of it, I don't know. Part of it might offend Leonard Cohen fans. Have I done the um, Have I done the kids write jokes one here yet? No. I think so. I don't know, but okay, let's that was hilarious. I think that you should get into stand-up comedy. That was brilliantly hilarious. Thank you.
Thank you. I've I've done I've done a funny spoken word at comedy events with mixed kind of results. You know, it's like sometimes they get it, sometimes they don't. Weirdo. Weirdos. Anyway. <laughs> Weirdos. So um, this one is uh, is actually a found poem. It's called "Kids Write Jokes," a found poem, and basically. I don't know if you're familiar with the Kids Write Jokes uh, Twitter account, which is was connected to um, a website where they ran jokes that kids submitted. But the Twitter account is the rejected ones. So these are all rejected jokes by kids. Hello, idiot. Is your refrigerator leaking? You know it is. You're so old, you broke in half. Question, what do you think I am talking about? Something that smells like an elephant's bum looks like an ogre and eats rubbish? Answer, you! Ha ha! <laughs> Imagine if a ham fell off the Eiffel Tower. My eyes flew out when I was eating a taco on the toilet. Why did he go to the toilet? Because he is foolish of the world. What's a fish with no eyes? Dead. There were two fish in a bowl, and one fish looked at the other and said, Fish don't talk. How many fish? Because the sky... How about when there is a silly man? There was a guy who had problems. Every time he laughed, he can't breathe. His, friends keep, his friend keeps telling him funny jokes without knowing about this. So the guy with problems is like, stop, I can't breathe. So he died. One, two, three, four, five. Once I caught a shark. Six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Then it eats my whole body. I did not care at all. Doctor, doctor, I think I am a supermarket. Okay, well, I don't want to buy anything. Doctor, doctor, I hit my head. What do you want me to do, stupid? If spiders can't walk, they would be raisins. Did you know what a turkey likes to eat? Probably not turkey. Do you know the chicken who went to the city to buy a hat? How did the chicken survive? Because he ate his self for dinner. What do you get when you cross a T-Rex and a chicken? Nothing but death. How come a chicken didn't eat his sandwich? Because a monkey ate the sandwich. Why did the monkey go to school? Because monkeys don't know anything. Why do monkeys eat banana? Because bananas are not afraid. Why did the banana eat himself? He had nothing. Why did the egg cross the road? Because it was ugly. Why did the frog get the bus to town? He is lazy. What do you call a cat what is broken? Stupid cat. What did the robot say to the centipede? Stop being a centipede. Why did the dragon went camping? What else is he supposed to do? What did the sheep say up a cold mountain? Why am I here? What did the jealous man say to the movie star? You stink, loser. What did Joker say to Batman? You're so stupid. What is the only one thing is Batman scared of? bats and also the joker <laughs> why were cowboys invented because they're idiots <laughs> who is the old man that have six eyes it is you <laughs> why did the skittle go bowling because he is part of bowling what is 70 million plus 22 million 874,928 plus 74,746 plus one nobody will ever know <laughs> a horse walks into a bar the man says, are you an alcoholic? The horse disappears in a puff of dust and appears at Charing Cross. 
The girls riding the horse, they all talking and putting on makeup. Then they hated each other. Then they be friends, and they going to sing, and they singing, and everyone is happy. Thank you. That was Kids Write Jokes. That was fucking brilliant. Hilarious. Just funny I need a second ten of her, but that's a funny one. <laughs> I need to follow that account. Yeah, I need to that's find great. it. It's hilarious. Yeah. I need it's to. I can just picture the kids saying it as well. Yeah. I just it easy to find. I'm gonna Sorry, who said the last one? I'm gonna steal some of those yes. jokes. I don't know. It's it's easy to find <laughs> on Twitter. Yeah. Because a lot of them, a lot of them, you know the joke they're trying to say, and they completely mess it up. And then there are other ones. I have no idea what the logic of. And then others are just simple question and answer. That's a joke, apparently. Is anyone a fan of the Bulwer Lytton Prize like I am? Heard of it. Does anybody know about the Bulwer Lytton Prize? It's a, it's a it's a yearly contest for really bad uh, bad opening lines for fiction. It, it's pretty hilarious. I'll oh. I'll put a link in the in the in the chat. Sounds yeah, good. that's right. He was he was famous, wasn't he, for writing the the novel with the worst opening in it. Yeah, yeah so it was, was it dedicated to Snoopy? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, Snoopy. It was a it was a dark and stormy night. You saw exactly. That's where it that comes from. Yep. Anyway, there's a, there's a link in the chat. Check it out. They're pretty hilarious. Some of them. Oh, we'll do. So. Next, we're gonna to go to John Wesley. Oh boy! Suddenly it's me. Hi. Okay. Hey, I hello, do how believe. You doing? I'm good. I do believe you have something to tell us about the new. Yes. Book. Well, you know, is I have two new books published. Um, there's a there's a novel called The Enigma Brokers. It's a spy novel, and uh, I also uh, have a, a new poetry collection of travel poems called A Foreigner Wherever I Go. And so I'll read a poem from Foreigner here. It's called Lucy. That is a bloody good title, by the way. That's yeah, brilliant. well, it's, uh, you know, it's true. Uh, it's an accurate, accurate uh, description of my life. You know, here's Loose Ends. So much I didn't tell you. Women shedding clothes on my birthday, plunging into the Pacific waves, glowing from luminous algae. How the mangosteen is the best fruit, except for maybe Japan's white peach or Pacific Northwest thimbleberries, tart red. Shouts of shoe shine, shoe shine, and O'Hare Airport, an old guy pirouetting on rollerblades in a 7-Eleven parking lot, the Northwest Indian legend of a man turned into Siwash Rock as a reward for his generosity. The three sisters in Australia's Blue Mountains also turned to stone, this time by their shaman father who died in battle before reversing the spell. Cicadas big as it's hummingbirds. Three, three, it's it's going to sell them. Going once. Sorry. <laughs> That's cool. Okay. Cicadas big as hummingbirds, the sun rising on the right, a sandal big as a couch, radio station three triple R taking curves along the great ocean road, Millie the wombat clawing a furrow in the dirt while I crooned and scratched her rump, 
Platanos, rellenos, bananas stuffed with chicken, Lithuanian dumplings shaped like zeppelins, 20 kinds of empanadas in Argentina. In Spain, a tortilla is a potato omelet and horchata is made with almonds, squid on a stick, kai seki, sushi, and tiny chest of drawers of box of soy milk hot in Macau, the pizza I cooked for Kyoko in a fish broiler, and Koji worrying I'd overcook the ham, six small cups of strong oolong tea in Hong Kong, and the roar of the crowd at dim sum, a waitress raising her voice so I'd understand Mandarin, Farmer Yang, who got a paltry $30 for discovering the terracotta warriors, the guide in a hard rock cafe Beijing t-shirt listening to the cranberries when we drove to Ningbo, an English teacher in a Mao jacket who lived in Louisiana but never saw New Orleans, Confucian scholars in Seoul waving, the Red Army veteran who played me taped Estonian protest song, Santiago's notorious beer thief, stray dogs and men walking, a dozen dogs each in Buenos Aires, Guardolito tangoing with Lauren in the park, a Mayan hammock peddler who taught me to say no and Yucatec dreadlocked teens doing capoeira somersaults in Geneva, the shy smile of a hotel owner herding her a bunny into her room, a monk with a gold tooth carrying an arrow in Kyoto, the woman who ran off to a Japanese train station and returned 10 minutes later with a map to my hotel, Kyoko's 80-year-old father bowing on my leaving his house, Tatami and Amida Buddha, please take care of yourself. Bullfights in an ancient Colosseum in southern France, a Burger King by a Roman gate in Germany, bears in Bern, the fox in Jackie's garden, incomprehensible tr British phrases like traffic calming, midsummer night, a rowboat with a torch welcoming the sun after its brief dip under the Baltic, parked names for poets, poets on money, a Lydia dollar, language is the nation, the love of their newfound freedom, a bar and a sauna, two physician for the poor, slot cars left by a touring rock star, the owner's dog who went with him to scout film locations, Helsinki, Moscow's stunt duddle bowl, Hong Kong, the smell of kerosene, longest escalator in the world, red and blue plastic tarps everywhere, strolling on balmy November evenings, Hanoi Street, neon lights, dinner at an outdoor cafe, rolling down a hill in an inflated ball and Rotorua and me, chief of the bus for a Maori ceremony, Mount Rui Peha, white goddess, admiring her reflection in Lake Taupo. It's beautiful here, says Lauren. Let's stay. Yay. Should I do one more? Okay, why not? This is called a foreigner at home. My friends spend $100 on tolls and parking to drive me to the immaculate Japanese airport. Clerks bow and welcome me when I enter gift shops. Passengers wait quietly, then form efficient lines to board our 
I arrive at LAX after a 10 hour flight. The customs inspector says no problem when I declare my tea and pickle plums. My collecting flight is delayed. I can't get the clerk's attention for a slice of pizza. She's too busy talking on the phone. I sit in the waiting area by the gate and look out the window at the brown LA sky. Aren't you glad to be back? America's the greatest country on earth. Someone always says this when I return from overseas. I take Japanese coins from my pockets and examine them. The years date from the emperor's coronation. American coins say liberty. I'm thankful not to measure my life by the pulse of kings or tyrants. Dressed in a pilot's uniform, America sits on a bar stool, knocking back vengeance and self-righteousness on the rocks. He gets up, staggers to the cockpit, and sits at the controls of the plane that will take me home. The flight attendant calls my row. I walk through the gate. Once on board, I search for an overhead bin large enough to hold my fears for America's future. Oof. Thank you. Damn, brother. That was killer. Thank you, John. Bin for America's future. Yeah. Oh, what a killer last line. The ending of that. Yeah, the ending of that last one was fantastic. Um, I think you already have. I think I saw it when you came in, but if you haven't, please put the information about the two books in the chat, everyone. Yeah, and uh, um, feel free to send them to me directly. I can push them through the Mutiny Radio FM channels. Uh, that would be that would be great. Everyone, you can always find me on uh, Messenger, Pam Benjamin, or Facebook. But I'd love anybody who has any books coming out. We made a commercial for Andy Talbot's book um, on the station. But we can so good. anything. So good. <laughs> Thank you. I did my Bjork voice. Um, but any anything I can do to help <laughs> anybody's like literary make some money. Like I am down to push it around through San Francisco. Okay, we'll have one more and then go for break. Maybe two more and then go for. I need a book. <laughs> I was reading the chat. I didn't just like go off on one and like zone out and start saying I, just, I need a book. That would be that would be different. I'm talking too much. Uh, okay, first person I see on the sheet. We're gonna go to Giovanna, which is a fantastic name. Hi, hi everyone. Thanks, Andy. Hi. Hi. Um, <laughs> hi. Um, it's lovely to be here. Um, so I'm Giovanna McKenna, I'm, my pronouns are her and she, and I've got some poems I'd really like to share with you. Okay, so I'm just going to go for it. So this first poem is about a chance encounter that I had, and it's called When I Met You. When I Met You. You frightened me when I met you, laid flat, starfished on a dirty Edinburgh street. You scared my children, made my heart start, left the weight of compassion draped about my ribs. When I met you, I suspected many things. Death, drink, drugs, violence, 
an enviable, wanton lack of care. I knelt beside your stillness, brushed away the debris, searched long for a skittish pulse. Your hands were swollen, purple, skin stretched tight when I met you. Your ashen lashes clasped, held firm by the crust of unwashed months. I saw the peaking paleness of your belly, dark hairs glinting in the sharp light. I ached for their rise and fall. When I met you, I brushed your hand. I held your wrist. I paused trembling fingers over your cracked lips. I was repelled. I was compelled to stay beside your fallen form. When I met you, you were revived by the sharp kick of a paramedic's boot. I was dismissed. You did not meet me. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Um, this one is about the frustrations of youth um, and also just when things don't seem to be going your way. It's called They Will Say. They will say you are not old enough, that you must wait for life. They will say there must be patience, thick and heavy, clinging damply to your firework dreams. They will say that there is more to learn by listening, that action must come after dry breaths have emptied out old stories. Say your body is too small, your mind too blank, your emotions too bright for normal life that you must wait until the sharp citrus colours of all your possibilities have greyed. Only then, when you no longer remember the velvet thrill of a fresh new thought, will they say you are ready. Thank you. Um, this poem is about those close relationships that are so important to all of us and what can happen when they go wrong. Together. I think this is unlikely now. Not now that there are weapons lurking in your eyes, fists punching from the soft curves of your tongues. Now, my role has altered from the sibling fenced by years to an anguished trauma surgeon with only tissues to staunch a river's flow of rage. No number of white flags can quell your battles. I watch as each encounter sees your hungry blades dart, cut and slice, and soon this white will all be red. Our family forgotten. I don't get along with my family either. <laughs> Thank you. Um, I've just got one more for you. Um, it's, um, it's about all those lives that we lead while we're asleep. It's called Pillow. She sleeps with them under her pillow, keeps them tucked tight in her night damp fist. They live beneath the soft press of cotton while she walks the paths of her days. 
They are quietly well-behaved in her absence, betrayed rarely by a straying story, the gentle swell and settle of a drama only the cat can see. <laughs> At evening, she returns to them. Shedding her face, she pulls on the wash-worn nightie, sips her grassy tea, reads with her back to their squirming press before switching off her watchfulness. She slides her hand once more under the cool slip and finds them dancing at her fingertips. Oh. Yay! Oh boy. So gorgeous. Thanks everyone. Yay. You're so lovely. You're so lovely. <laughs> that was amazing. Brilliant. Unrequited love. I love it. <laughs> Thank you so much for sharing that. That was that was brilliant. I also don't get along um, with my family. <laughs> <laughs> I am it. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah, me too. <laughs> so yeah, I think what we'll do now is maybe have a break. Like, I don't know. Come back at five past. Is that cool? Sounds Long good. Enough, everyone. That's good. Yeah, yeah sweet. Good, okay, good, good. Cool. I'm going to unplug us so people can talk at their leisure. Don't worry. Uh, all right, I'm going to unplug us. Hey, everybody, you've been listening to Mutiny Radio. .fm and .sf. We are in the middle of Choose Poetry, Choose Life here at Mutiny Radio. I'm going to play a little bit of poetry, uh, computer poetry, from our good friend uh, Radio 11, who has a new show here at Mutiny Radio, and we're going to play some of that in the interim. Gotta press play on the thing. There you go, Pam. Goomuck back again with Camera Plus. The lenses which are viewed and connected through our parallaxy daisy eye in terms of any being a wormhole to another point, but viewed from the outside all points are visible, as the loop view. They spit out words as fast I can think them, and perhaps the writing is a mistake, but you must know, you must from far away without matter, but there is matter. So this is entertainment? Yea be sure and subscribe, souls are at risk on a board game up candle and in the pieces of puzzles oceanic life forms whoosh the sentinel up to the screen to say boop. Betty was here. Grafrakamiluk I wonder how we say it again. The sequence of Seeketer is a palace of places with A, E, I, O, U etc and what is that but a story? To quicken is to jump paths, skip rope to the sidewalk crack. And little green monsters growing in them, in concrete terms. So this is how we step back, the language, barrier blockade block dropped, visualized into a paper print, in serif font and stolen type. The kind that is steel. Once again, bodies in motion, clinging, stinging, watering from hole to hole, virtual and privates see what. Oh rights and justified fried pathways to recover. The river of tears, salty, or sugary, uplifted by chocolate like a factory, Charlie's Angel. 
muffled noises are heard from that pie that we so desire, was it cherry or was it marrying of lime plus sorbeted raspy voiced sultry cocktail bar tip jar money? Welcome to the green room. The flowers are just there. Hugh slipped on his boots and powered up, ionic tronic deutonic microsonic clonic electrode wired to the shins with light emittance. He walked gently in towards the bits of the planet which lit up, tiny microcircuitry with dark matter sucked gently at its side base in a closed gel system, kind of like gel toothpaste with sparkly bits which light up and diffracted light back into receptors along the silver tubing, like an analog amplifier but with a constant impedance as measured around this temporary and reusable photography, negative as it was. Do these things have a dial? He talked out loud to himself. His toes pressed into them a bit and he could hear the batteries powering up as they balanced into each other. Squish! Oh that must be the bank of diodes that need calibration. The wires were dual titanium and copper anodized and operated together to an RC network like an equalizer to let some frequencies pass in either direction and provide signal to ground, which was oddly stored in its own battery. Yes, ground storage was his new toy. He'd been toying around with it at the labs, it was basically this version of compressed activated sediment rock, the thin line mineral traces were flashed like an EPROM onto particles between layers which created their polarity towards each other to simulate veins in rock of any particular metal, depending on the requirements of shortest path to ground for the electrics to charge and discharge into the proper toes. He flipped up his visor, which was auto-picking terrain for him this time, after it trained on his pathways for a bit. He saw some red clay rock flick past, and some other earthy prudential-looking granite. These were just icons for the voltage densities and available spectrum of simulated elements to manage. They also had to be used sequence, so there were two ground batteries to isolate the settings. His toe jiggled just a bit. The sunlight radio began to play. And he walked. As he walked around town, the tiny electrics kept dabs on themselves and the batteries took his light travel direction and began the film. He rang the bell. It was Miranda. She was drenched from the rain, and blotted off her ear with a terry cloth towel. Oh? You got it? She looked down. Good. These guys have been ishing to travel and the notebook is just not doing it for them, you know? They've got some good stories to tell, just need a bit of balance and some exercise. Here. Hugh took her note and clipped it to his inner pocket with some alligator leads on the college ruled portion of the note which then the EGS had chosen to provide their interface. Here little guys. You'll like it down here. Lots of mineral wealth, and you'll get a chance to recharge, and charge. These guys have been writing poetry for me around the yellow tulip I had from the garden the other day. I think they'll go with your garden variety program, if you don't mind to start. Certainly. I'll see what we're up against. The diagram plating is there for their next spot, wherever they choose to be dropped off. City planning has been wanting a new walkway, and these guys want to be the world. The timings began to calibrate to these guys, who dove right into the perimeter and found their interfaces, placing themselves and signaling back and forward and around, and the battery not hummed. Hugh took a quick peek at the display, and saw his batter levels hit return, 
and a few lattice topographical snaps seem to indicate the EGS were setting up towards their bit of light gardening. Metallic tulips they placed onto the edges of the diffractions coming off the traces. As electrics hit at the shapes on the wire, being attracted and drawn around, emanating frequencies onto the other lattices, and so forth. They seemed pleased, and so was Q. He felt solid for the first time in weeks, and likewise, our friends had refound his grounded electrics. I'll walk with you, just give me a second. She left him in her entryway and she walked back a bit to get dressed. Q eyed the clock on her wall. It doesn't seem to move. She shouted from the next room. You know it's an antique and I thought I'd leave it like that. The vacuum is still good. I had it checked. Q tapped on the glass and the wooden case for second, and though of three blind mice. He looked down, no mice. No cheese. That's why Miranda spouted back. Why what? She walked back into the room, buttoning her white shirt with faux pearl buttons. It's why there's no cheese. No point for mice when the clock is vacuum sealed she grinned at his feet, and flashed her own folded note which she stashed in her purse. Here, this is so we can communicate. They strolled for a bit, and she brought up some maths and figures, and some of the paper she'd been working on, column inch at a time. It's about what these guys wrote me. A continuation of a continuum of poetry. Do you want to hear some? She patted her bag, and read a few verses while they walked. The EGS jiggled slightly in Q's boots, as they danced quietly on, and on her paper. She looked into it, they appear satisfied with their work. And the connection is made. They walked. Time seemed to slow down for a bit, and the two walked around the glimmer for a bit of each other's company. She held his hand. He told her more about the product and things upcoming for the lab they'd be working at for the summer. Just built he said, and more of these guys if they like it. I mean the glass is fit for the in the ground batteries are going to replicate out of these samples. Hope they have the memory. And the drive, if you know what I mean. She did. That's what this poetry was about. They had been working on the rose petal for a while, and seemed to think they knew all about love. At least from the petal's perspective. I think they want to be, she muttered into her side and they sidled on, and grinned. That's another product, Q beamed back, those wings are quite flighty with the radios we've been working on. The harmonics are tuned to Mozart these days, but they're welcome to change the station if they can charge it back upright. They passed some art at the museum. Renaissance, French indeed. Southwest? Well there was an influence. So Q. I've been meaning to ask you about the other night. I mean about the line electrics, and the static. You know there's still a bit left on the wire, I checked this morning. Something about the weather on the sideband. I guess it'll settle. Q looked into his memory for a bit, but quite frankly forgot that bit, until now. Well it's a good thing we're getting on, is all? Charged up for discharge and the like. Maybe you'll let these guys take a peak voltage at it for you when we get back. I'm sure they'll have an answer for the static. Just switch it over to the pack if they get antsy on you, he grinned. So anyway, it's a bright and shiny day, is what I got out of it all. You know how copper is, always putting the electrics in a good mood. Yes, I do. The trunk is wired back twice you know. As a fiber drop-off and, well, 
You know what sees you. They did. Hugh fiddled with his pocket for a bit. Gum? Miranda took a slice, oh 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 strawberry, she popped it in her mouth sideways and thought of the harmonica again. And giggled to herself. You do know what's up ahead, don't you? Fortune favors the mild and spicy, eh cookie? She grinned back. Their usual table, with a lantern and one tons to start. They tattered away for a bit and queued for the fortune cookies in the glass jar by the register. He motioned over and the women behind motioned him to take a couple, and he walked back to the table beaming. Don't read it, here I'll take mine for later. She put it in her purse. Q's boots jiggled just a bit, as these guys must have picked up the texts. He grinned to himself and she likewise, patted her purse. Things carried on like this for a bit, bits at a time, as time and time was again. She motioned for the check, on her account and the women behind the counter took out a large black ledger and signed their name on the row for the date, with an extra character to indicate their good time. He closed the book and nodded back. Miranda picked things up a bit, and as they stood outside, mentioned some of the dreams she had been having. All colors this time, and around and about the crinkly edges. Well it was all fine and the NLP was picking up and settling. She had been turning on some light electrics in the tune of antimatter and the likes and time again. This time it was binaural beats to the cadences of. Well there's a lot like that going on, that's how come the ground wire. Listen. They walked. Imagination tribunal gyration stop glacial matter use flowed sideways down the pathways of leisurely gestation, onward and towards a horizon of glowy oomph smattering of factoidal lattices for the benefit of. Well Mr. Kite, lighting strikes matches for the pairing of electrons spin towards the vulnerably kind and kind, and etc. Slight tension wire wrapped at the gauge of 30 knot for the underboarding of the snowy underlings which pattered neatly and gently in their soft tissue electrics, and they hummed. This has been Aqua Q on the mild easterly quarter-sized blotter stopper on the rose-petaled glisten cross-hatchery and you are, well, and... Primed the lights, ambulances jiggered their switches and the embedded patterns filled the batteries of ooze for the triggering of numbers to communicate with a whatever to put a gauge on the town of the evening. Numbers roamed into the radio clearances and hit the switch dipoles embedded circuitry, well managed by the mind's comms. Welcome to Haptic. The loops are seen as paths on a dynamic platform through the city, to be ridden and risen towards the occasional occasion of stop, stomp, bounce and parry gloriously traveled by the numbers and directions of the days and nights ahead. This particular form of light formed the aura around this particular hospital for the traveling towards and about the ability to transmit love and light energies towards the eyes and bodies which are then delivered as free energy towards the healing centers from the blood emergency room, O+, where a deep messaging coalesces to every bit of healing electrics to drive forward this process of life. It was a particular day. In fact, to see one's own feet crossing slightly behind the lead towards the expected destination, not too far transmitted, yet given freely to maintain the bits of chaos which supply each other in their spectrums of light and speed. Bike lanes shone and drove beams around the town, and blinky bits were just the beginning. Our astral bodies shone to each other for those briefs to be placed within the hearts of those heads and exchanges made to proceed with our destinations. How free light travels, 
In fact, and we're back. We're back. We're back in at mutinyradio.fm and .sf zooming live from all across the international world. Yay! With your host, Andy Talbot. Woo! Hi. I don't know why I waved. We're on the radio. <laughs> Fucking hell. <laughs> Honestly. Not your profession. Because you're on the radio waves. Thank you for bailing me out with that. That's why we have poets Coming to you nude from the Mutiny Radio Studio. <laughs> Sorry, I had I had to do it. I, I was waiting for somebody to catch it, but that was like I have to. That's perfect. You, you saved me. You saved me. Time's getting used that. Time's getting used that. Let's show some that one. Oh yeah, I'll, I'll use that tonight. I'll be like waving. We're on the radio waves. It's good. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna stop talking and we're gonna crack on. Um. So we're going to go to Diliana. Please tell me I said that right. In fact, please tell me if I didn't as well. You absolutely did, and I, I appreciate the effort. Uh, hello, my name is Diliana Stoyanova. I am I am a poet, uh, originally from Bulgaria. I currently live in Finland, and I have been very um, very happy to be able to participate in these in these online poetry events all over the globe. It's 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 truly it's truly a, a an unexpected and un I don't know how what to say undeserved sort of pleasure of this whole situation is that we actually have the, the this opportunity to to connect to people. I actually met Andy at uh, uh, an open mic, which happens in freaking New Zealand. Excuse my French, but <laughs> like. How how could that ever have happened? You know, this is it's it's just a it's um it's a it's a treasure really to to be able to do that. So I was not really prepared for tonight, so I wasn't really sure what to do. Um, but because I have I have also like um, I don't remember. I'm sorry. I'm I'm horrible with names as well. But somebody I think. John probably did uh, the poem about living in different places. And I remember that I wrote a poem a couple of years ago that kind of relates to my own experiences with that. I have to apologize that it's, 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 well, I'm not going to apologize. Let's leave the, let's leave the caveats away. Uh -huh. This is, this is, this is a poem about uh, being a foreigner and it's aptly titled We're Here. Travelers, aliens, wanderers, strangers, refugees, foreigners, outsiders, survivors were here. A raceless, landless, disconnected tribe held together by WhatsApp and Skype. Family trees and friendships growing on Facebook ground. Relationships where picture doesn't always sync with sound. Having all the time zones see just the corner of your room. As we might be in lockdown, but you spit out fire spoken word on Zoom. We're here. When was the last time you went home, you ask? Oh dear. We go home every night and we haven't been home in years. Home was an airport bench, a coffee shop with good Wi-Fi. Home is the ragged breath we take after every goodbye. 
home is 23 kilos in the rolling suitcase, not a house, but a moment and a breathing space. Home is where we're in and out of place. Home is an instant of human connection that we embrace. We're here. We speak one too many languages and none of those are fluent. Hey, one more alphabet won't hurt. Yeah, that was fucking stupid. And yes, we have used a dictionary at the shop because last time we got sugar instead of salt. And business cards because we're sick of spelling our names. And of course, I mean those that aren't Sam, John or James. And every time we pronounce things wrong or make a mistake, we feel so, so stupid, like for fuck's fucking sake. We translate, we search for the words and the grammar, we translate ourselves and our souls, and sometimes we stammer, but we try again and again and again, despite feeling rejected, because all that we want is to be understood and accepted. We're here. Every day we wear our organs on the outside because the inside of our bodies are occupied by different words for the exact same things, but there is the exact same humanity right underneath our skins. We're here. The rootless, the tongueless, the restless, the helpless, the aimless, the reckless, the outcast, the voiceless, the faithless, the exiled, the faceless, the stateless, the immigrants, the different, we are right here. Thank you. Yay! Can I do one more? Hell yeah. Okay, I'm gonna do one more, and I I don't know if uh, somebody in the room has heard a previous version of this one. I wrote the poem, and then I and then I rewrote it this week, and I wanted to try the new version. And I guess a little bit of a content warning. Uh, it is about Corona and it is about trauma. So if anybody is sensitive to PTSD mentions and issues, uh, please feel free to mute me. I don't, I, I will not feel in any way um, hurt. You protect yourself. When this is all over, when this is all over, I will hug people. When this is all over, I will go out for drinks. When this is all over, I will smile at strangers. When this is all over, I will travel and have street food. When this is all over, I will cough to my heart's content and I will delete Zoom with unbridled glee. When this is all over, I want to forget about masks and distance. And when this is all over, it does mean people want to forget it ever happened and pretend it never did. They want to forget the number of counters, lockdowns, washing masks, wiping groceries, canceling holidays, exercising at home, making bread, Tiger King, distraction and discomfort and disinformation. They want to forget the sensory deprivation of buying things online and the character assassination of pretending to be productive on social media. When this is all over, wishing 2020 away makes me sad because it's people thinking with their wants and not with their hearts. But when this is all over, the grief will not be over for the families who lost loved ones. There will be empty seats and empty pillows. When this is all over, survivors will, will suffer from complications. When this is all over, doctors and nurses will have nightmares, burnouts, and they will remember holding iPads so dying patients can say goodbye to their families. And that pain, 
deserves better than to be buried under our collective denial. When this is all over, children will wear a planetary fear around their necks for the rest of their lives and will tell their children about it because when the ground is falling apart, you will always remember falling. Oof. When this is all over, I want to dare remember it all. The fear, the panic, the insomnia, the crying on camera, the online teaching and office hours and giving students all the benefit of the doubt, the online poetry slams, the sheer stunning humanity of each breath and each word and each smile over and through the masks, a smile that is a million times brighter because we know how precious love for the human in front of us is as precious as the distance we keep and carry through the crushing gravity of isolation vacuum. When this is all over, I want to remember that the fear of missing out is nothing compared to missing, missing each other. To remember that we can be kind and connected and real, that none of us are alone. That we're all capable of growing nerve endings millions of miles long and feeling every single other human. That we are all together that we can be reaching out into the darkness and holding each other up to breathe when our souls cramp and drag us down to drown. I want to remember women like Jacinda Ardern and Sanna Marin led countries with compassion, intelligence, strength and grace through the bleakest hours of history. I want to remember people marching in Sofia, Warsaw, Hong Kong, Bangkok, Minneapolis, marching the world out of the night when this is all over, it won't be over. But when we emerge on the other side, when we grow out of it, when we heal, I want us to remember how we became better to ourselves, to each other, and to the world. Thank you very much. Yay! That was gorgeous. Thank you. Tiger King. Uh, yes, <laughs> Tiger King. Yes, Tiger King. I, I, for, I, I, I forgot to mention a bunch of stuff at the beginning. Uh, my pronouns are her and, and she. Uh, I, I am on. Um, I am on on Instagram at Diliana Stoyanova Poetry, and I also have a Facebook artist page, uh, the same as my name, Diliana Stoyanova Poetry. Um, and thank you very much for having me. Links in the chat, Yeah, thank you so much for coming as well. Yeah, we met in we met in New Zealand on a on mm -hmm. so cool. Sunday morning. I had to get up at like five o'clock. <laughs> yeah. But it was so worth it. It was a, such a good event. I've been meaning to go for a while. It was called your place. Um yeah, I, I would I would highly recommend that event that was yeah, if you need a reason to get stupid early on a Sunday morning, yeah, Rick, Ricky. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's one yeah, that I really want to investigate. Yeah. I've heard so many good things about about their event. He, he really seems to be a great yeah, host. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, he, he really makes that flow. Yeah, it's so good. Or I should say, they really seem. <laughs> Yeah, they also have like ridiculously good makeup, especially considering it was like early morning here. I was like, how do you, obviously time difference, so that's why, but like, how, 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 how do your eyes look so good? Yeah. And I was like, oh yeah. This is the time. 
yeah. Um, anyway, I'm going to stop trying to flirt with someone who isn't here, and we're going to stop <laughs> having a pot with um, You're coming out now. You, you I think I came out me. a while ago. You can flirt with me. <laughs> I'll flirt with you anytime. Anyway, Portry. Portry. So next we're going to go to Ken, who is probably a bit of a flirt himself. <laughs> Great transition. I, th I thought that was pretty good. <laughs> oh, hello, folks. Uh, I got my enormous face off the screen for a start. And, uh, yeah, Jumping I have on yeah. myself. There we go. Okay. Uh, hello, everybody. Yeah, my name's Ken. Pronouns he, him. Uh, some of you already know me. Um, the first poem I'm going to do came out of uh, every Sunday I go to uh, a write-in. It's like a sort of very relaxed workshop thing that we have at Allographic. And uh, we do a thing called bibliomancy, where we randomly choose a, a passage of text from a book, and we use that as our springboard for, uh, for writing. And the book we were using was called Daffodils Are Dangerous by Hubert Creekmore, a 1960s book about all poisonous plants. And I've just double clicked the file and it won't open. Come on, wake up machine. When you're ready, thank you. Okay, so first thing I'm gonna do is read you Hubert Creekmore's description of this plant, which is called manchineal. It, uh, it grew, possibly still grows on the Florida coast. And he says, on many of the islands, especially where the trees grow along choice beaches, the authorities are trying to exterminate the manchineal. To a great extent, this has been accomplished on the Florida shores, where the growth was a serious vexation to the early settlers. But even in destroying the trees, the men sometimes suffered severely from them, for the heavy bite of an axe into the bark could send the virulent sap squirting into the chopper's eyes. People, writes Kingsbury, were temporarily and sometimes permanently blinded. It is also dangerous to burn the wood because the smoke can carry the irritant substance to the nose and eyes of anyone in its path. So that's the passage I had to work from. And I thought, I wanna write from the point of view of the plant. And as I started doing so, I realized that what I was writing was actually a metaphor for the impact of colonialism on native peoples and on the planet in general. Of course it is. So this is the poem, Manchineal. You find my kind vexatious. Why? Is it because we take up space you are keen to claim your own? A place we've known for longer than you've yet learned how to count? Or worse, perhaps, the fact you can't make use of us the way you're wont to think you should and do with all that falls within your view, your path, your aim, your avid, hot, rapacious grasp? Is it outrage at our simple, mute insistence on existing, or that we dare fight back that drives you on to slash and burn? An inability to learn, or merely greed? Vexatious? Hardly. We harm only those that do us harm. If you cut us, see, do we not bleed? Thank you. Um, this next poem uh, kind of also came out of one of those workshoppy things. I'd, I'd written a poem I was particularly pleased with, 
and uh, I showed it to Beth Hartley and uh, well, this was what resulted. This is called, I'm gonna take a little swig of water first. This is called The Error of My Ways. <clears throat> and on the seventh day, I did look upon my work and seeing that it was good, email it to my friend. And straightway did my friend read my work and seeing that it was not quite as good as I had thought, point out the bits that were shit. And lo, was there heard across the O2 mobile network a wailing and gnashing of teeth, for I was sore aggrieved. Whereat, being of consolatory bent and wont to give succor, my friend did speak softly unto me, saying, Consider ye the Persian rug. In every one, no matter how ornate, there is included one mistake, a tuft of wrongly angled wool, a missing stitch, some color out of place. The weavers, firm believers, do this purposely to ensure they can't unwittingly create a perfect artifact and thereby rival God. I like my friend. She's nice. Since then, I've taken her advice. No longer fret at every footling flaw or compositional glitch, infinitesimal deficiencies in form or formatting. Take this poem, for example. I'm aware what's wrong with it. To me, it's obvious. But no one else would albatross a thing. Thank you. <laughs> Yay. And finally, um, this poem, again, came out of an allographic Sunday write-in. Um, it was from a silverleaf prompt, actually, um, which effectively is the first line of the poem. I should give a little content warning here. It's a bit kind of creepy hammer horror. It's called, They Always Do. This body is a vessel for my mayhem. Will hold about a month's worth, give or take. They always do. Any more, and it shows through the fury roiling just beneath the surface, slithering wrigglers rippling the skin. Picture a fetid mass of worms, a festival of writhing, all that sin. As I'm sure you can appreciate, that simply wouldn't do. I have a business and a reputation to uphold. The trade these days is dog eat dog and devil take the... Well, let's not go there. So I take care. One lunar transits dose of chaos, more if it's a child, and none's the wiser, not even the ones who want to kiss goodbye to grandma in the chapel of repose. Which reminds me, coffin, open dear, or closed? Thank you, that's me done. Cheers. Yay! Yay! I'll pop my stuff in the chat. You can find me on SoundCloud. Um, I've just added some new stuff, actually. I'll bung the link in the chat. Thank you, everybody. I love that second one. I love uh, po poetry about poetry, like poetics. Ah. I love that so much when it's like self-referential and meta as fuck. I'm totally down. That was great. <laughs> Thank you, Ken. That's all right, mate. 
So we're going to go to Finn now. OK. I wonder if I have popped up on the big screen there. <laughs> All right, I'm going to do some, uh, some new shit. Oh, bear with me. And it's, um, yeah. And it's true, basically, this one for a change. It's called Closed Captions English Standard. I wear hearing aids and I'm what they call profoundly deaf. I hear that sometimes I have difficulty picking up the actual words that people are saying. I find it hard sometimes to catch all the words that my fellow poets are saying when they do their reading. I wish the world came with subtitles. It's bad in my taxi with masks in the screen between me and my passengers to get them to speak clearly and give me their destination. I wish the world came with subtitles. Watching TV is great when programs have closed captions, but I hate it when they don't, or some on-demand shows don't, or when the words are actual behind the actual audio, behind the actual audio. I wish the world came with subtitles. In this constantly masked off world, concessions are made for many, but city centers are blocked off for disabled people and deaf people can get out, but can't see what you're saying. I wish the world came with subtitles. I play my music too loud. My radio goes on too loud. My podcasts go on too loud. I'm not too proud if you ask me to turn it down. I don't know. I don't realize. I, I can't be sure how it sounds to you. I know how it sounds to me, loud, but not, not too. I wish the world came with subtitles. And hearing aids aren't perfect. They make things normal. They help. I'm not ignoring you. Your words are important, very important. It's just... Well, I can't explain, which is strange for one who uses words to make a point, tell a story, I'll let you know I'm sorry. I wish the world came with subtitles. I take them out. Almost silence. Can barely hear the washing machine, that noisy washing machine when I'm in the kitchen beside it. The morning alarm <laughs> that rings for ages, disturbing my wife, waking her when she doesn't need to be awake. I don't hear it until it gradually gets louder. I wish the world came with subtitles. I mean, I wasn't born this way, it's hereditary. My grandma on my father's side, then my dad. I mean, he never went and seen about it. Then me, now my daughter. My grandma's ape was big and hung in a strap and a bra beneath her top. It squeaked feedback if you went too close. You had to speak into the box at times to be heard in a world before subtitles. I do sometimes enjoy the silence, switching mine off or taking them out and being alone in my head, enjoying the silence of being at one with me. But then I still need to know when I can get shouted down for tea. And yes, I realize I should check to see if the volume of my phone is up. 
Wouldn't it be great if the world came with subtitles? Like floating in the air, worse destined for only people that they are meant for. Or click an imaginary switch and you can see everybody's words floating, soaring, shouting, swearing, counting, caring. Perfect for finding words for a found poem. The silence of constant chatter in a world where words do matter. Choose your font, choose your language, hit translate. What was that? Ah, too late. Your word escaped in the breeze to hide amongst the trees. A world, not perfect, but with subtitles. Right, I'm going to try to sign a new one. This one is I kind of wrote last week when the the government's conspired to bow to uh, the needs of the few, as it were, by opening up Christmas and letting, you know, having a five-day break from uh, COVID at Christmas, as if, you know. It's called Last Christmas. Come, child, and give me a hug. Come, child, and sit down on the rug. Come, child, open the presents I've got for you, the ones underneath the tree beside all the others. Mind the envelopes with vouchers inside, seal with a lick and a kiss, because you're so special to me. Come, child, your dad will be in soon from the bar, a Christmas day drink with his friends. We'll greet him with joy when he comes through the door. Come, child, your mum will do a great spread, turkey and all the trimmings and special homemade garlic bread. Come, child, sit next to me at the table. Come, child, tell me stories. How are you like your new school and your new friends? And come, child, hide behind me when your uncle arrives with his kids. He'll not know where you are, so well you'll be hit. Come, child, play with your cousins. It's been a year since they've been here. Their flight from their home in Spain was delayed because of the rain, arriving yesterday instead of before. Come, child, help me blow up balloons. My breathing is not how it was, and I'll start, you can finish, and, and I'll cut the string to tie in the end. Come, child, we will watch Christmas movies. Die Hard, and the one about the big elf. We gasp at one and laugh at the other. Uh, come, child, don't get a drink for your brother when his taxi drops him off after his work. Come, child, we'll play games. Pass the parcel is a favourite of mine. Come, child, put on some music. Seasonal song, please. A request? You know, my favourite. Wham is one of the best. We'll sing along together. Last Christmas, I gave you my heart, but the very next day, you gave it away. This year, to save me from tears, I'll give it to someone special. Come, a child, let's have a special family Christmas get-together. It's been a tough year. Come, child, we deserve it. And after all, when all's said and done, and after this party is over, it could well be my last Christmas, or yours. Thank you.
my headphones now so I can hear you. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Ben. Yes. Uh, okay, so next we're going to go to Pam. All right. Hey, I can unmute myself. Am I unmuted? What am I doing? I am unmuted. You are unmuted. Yay. Yay. Hi, everybody. Uh, yay. So, um, this is, uh, this is an ode that I wrote, um, to Chuck and you guys might or might know this, might or might not know this person. Uh, this is an ode to Chuck. Oh, sweet red nectar bathes my gullet. Your precious grapes bloodlet. For a mere $23.98, I buy you only by the case. For anything else would not be worth it, but it would. Whoa, you are known by lesser names, and yet I drink thee without shame. I dare not utter the slur of your other moniker, for everyone defiles your beauty, and I could. No! Two buck chuck stutters ignorant lush, not knowing of your unique crush. New bottled flavor every quarter, I might become largest supporter, despite slurring on street corners, misunderstood. Hello! I hold thee to the light and view, the loveliness of crimson hue, two dollar tag less plush by far than other favored PBR. Your red cape flutters down my throat so good. Red Bordeaux, Charles, exceeding vintage, caved and tombed, more precious than Amontillado doomed. I'd brick myself into a basement before considering another replacement. I refused to drink that expensive French crap, but for free I would. My dear Charles Shaw, you are so great, never failing to inebriate. Does everyone know who Charles Shaw is? <laughs> Do you guys have Trader Joe's in England or in the UK? You don't? So no. Trader Joe's is a store and they have this wine that's $1.99 and it's called Charles Shaw. And uh, that's my ode to the cheapest wine in the United States, <laughs> which is good stuff. So uh, here's a more serious poem. Here's a more serious poem. Uh, so I wrote this in the style of HD. I went, I recently went through um, a bunch of modern, I, I really like modernist poetry from like the 20s or whatever. And so I went through and, uh, so this is in the style of HD's Star's Wheel in Purple. I don't know if you know that poem, but it's called The Party. Okay. Conversations swirl in eddies, yours is not so rare as to pull in those surrounding like small leaves. No vortex of floundering fish in your grasp on the nature of politics or how religious gingers breasts or how interesting that poem, clever remarks on all the rest. Conversations turn in quarters, corners I sped away from yours, screeching smoke and rubber guests choke enemies alike. Boredom floats above floorboards like dead fish, rotten spite. Scales slough, clog pores. Water eyes worse than onions. Still, you immerse in the bog, an alligator thriving on carrion. Yay! Yay me! 
Okay, I have some choices. I can either do one in the style of Carl Sandburg, or I can do, I have a, I have a pantomime that I call a Pam Tomb, P-A-M-T-O-M-B, because it's a pantomime, but it's that. under the. You want me to do the Pam? The Pam Tomb. Okay, I'll do the Pam Tomb. Okay, here we go. The Pam Tomb. Because never again happened four times last week. Yellow tape blazes. Emotional crime scene. The CSIs have all come to frolic in the garish gore left behind. Yellow tape blazes. Emotional crime scene. Everyone silently smoked American spirit yellows in the garish gore left behind. Things got odd for all. Everyone silently smoked American spirit yellows, shifting weight half smiling. Things got odd for all. Drama is overrated. Shifting weight half smiling, sick with furious hysterics. Drama is overrated. The chalk outline will dissipate soon. Sick with furious hysterics. The CSIs have all come to frolic. The chalk outline will dissipate soon because never again happened four times last week. Okay, that's me this week. Yay! Yay, me! Yeah, I love that. I've never I've never tried to write one of them, and every time I hear one, I, I, I don't think I ever will. <laughs> I, I, love, um, I love working with structure because it's like trying to be creative in the box sometimes makes me more creative. And then pantoums are so yeah. easy because all you have to do is come up with like a really good first line and then it's your last line and it's like, oh yeah. So. Yeah. Well, yay me. Who's next? Yeah. Yay! Uh, I'm, I'm going to go next. Yay! Andy Delbert, yay! Woo! Oh, Andy! I'm gonna spotlight myself and everything. Spoil myself. Um, yeah. What have I got? I should know this. Um, Cats and dogs. That's what you've got. I've got what, sorry? Cats and dogs. Yes, that is that is very true. Um, right, I've got three. I'll start with this one. Um, so I didn't write for about 10 days um, after the last event, I think, after the last CPCL. Um, and you know what I'm like, I started to, to panic. I was like, oh, I can't write anymore. Um, so I, I wrote about that. It's very short. It's called Struggle. Lately, I find myself faced with that old familiar foe. So I drive, turn on the radio, hoping to find words that inspire a melody or perhaps a phrase, anything to get the hands to the pen and the ink to the page. Thanks. So I wrote that and I was like, yes, I'm writing again. Um, just letting John in. Um, and then before that, this is a couple of weeks back. I did something that I don't normally do at all, which is um, I wrote a poem that rhymes, which 
I don't think I've ever done in my life. Like, even when I was a teenager, I don't think I did this. Um, it's called It's Not Forgotten. And then in brackets, I put a rare rhyming poem because I was like, how do I even wrote a rhyming poem? Um, and now I'm worried that it doesn't actually all rhyme, but bear with me because I, I think it does. That um, sounds like you're apologising, Andy. Get on with it. <laughs> no, I'm trying not to because I know you're here. Because I always get told off for apologising. I'm trying not to. Uh, okay, like You've got to send it to me and I'll pick holes in it for you, love. It's fine. Oh, yeah. All right, I'll, I'll do this. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's called It's Not Forgotten. We still check in every now and again to see how you are doing, to see if I am well. But it's hard to pretend, even harder to forget where we were 12 months ago without thinking of regret. The time we spent, it always had an end. Can we ever go back? Can we begin again? Is it the same for you or has it faded away? It's not like I can ask you and it's not like you could say. Life moves fast and life moves on and I'd wait for you, but time waits for no one. The time we spent, it always had an end. We can't go back or start again, but we still check in every so often. It's nice to know. It's not forgotten. I think that did that rhyme? Was that all right for rhymes and stuff? I don't know. Yeah. Very good. Uh, okay. So then I'm going to read the most recent piece that I've done, um, which still doesn't have a title, but that's cool because titles are overrated. Um, apparently, I don't know. Someone said that in a comment the last time I read this. Um, yeah. The coastline is quiet at this time of year. Waves crash silent out of respect because sometimes silence is bigger than a gesture and sometimes noise isn't enough. The lights this season dance along the shore, sending a Morse code message of festive hope. It's almost December. I can see my breath. My hands are numb, my feet are cold and I'm alive. And this year, that's enough. That's it. That's me. I'm done. Yay! Yeah. Um. So I went. I went down the. Um, I went down the beach. I went for a drive on. I think it was Sunday afternoon. Um. And they have all the Christmas lights up uh, along the front, and it was getting dark, and I, w I went right to the tip of the pier. Um. Yeah, I'll call it that. Silence is bigger though. That is a good name. Um, yeah, and I, I would just have music in and I, I just wrote that on my phone when I was walking back. It was, no, it was good. It was, it was nice. I sometimes forget how lucky I am to live where I, I live. And it's good to take time off. You know, you have to fill the well. A lot of people are like, I have to write every day. But mm. taking 10 days off is really yeah, healthy yeah. because what do you write about if you're constantly writing? I mean, then you get into the thing where you're writing about writing, which is great too. But I would think that it's really healthy yeah. to like take some time off and fill the well with information so that you can write from that. So don't beat yourself up about yeah. taking some days off. Anyway. Yeah. I think I think that's something I definitely need to learn to not beat myself up. But I'm getting better with it. I am. I think. I think. Um, but no, thank you. Um, so I can. Oh, I can see you both on my screen. There's two people left. So I'm gonna say two names, and whoever puts hand up first goes first. 
But then you might okay, Stilly and Beth. <laughs> I think Who's Beth's gonna answer Beth first. Waving oh, well, there it is. needle around. Beth. They've got a name. I'm assuming. Beth. Beth. I'm a, a, do they have a specific name? Am I being? What do we have to do? <laughs> okay, so Beth, Beth's going to go first because basically one of you had to put a hand up. Nobody put a hand up. Um, so Beth, Beth's going first. This was a this was a failed experiment. We we <laughs> learn and we move on. Can 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 you just not? Oh. Hi Beth. Every week I get a bigger crush Hi, on Andy. Andy. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I just was changing actually what I'm going to read with this one. I want to read so that Juliana hears. Um, it's just called After. And after. When we have used up all the flour and tidied up the garden and worn down the carpet and worn out, worn our hands out from from clapping. And after we learned to zoom, learned to knit, learned to sit, be still, grown veg, grown a beard, grown weary of working from home, cleaned everywhere, or not, got stuff done, or not, done online school, or not, written more letters than we have in years, eaten more biscuits than we probably should, taken more care than we usually do. And after, when we choose to recreate normal and the barriers disappear, and after however long it takes us to remember that we are only as strong as those we shield. Then after, after this, I want to see a flood of all the love we held in. May all the hugs be long and all those catch-up cuppers be dawdled delight. May those among us mourning be comforted extravagantly, borne on gentle hands. May we remember grief comes fast and slow, but always in waves. After this, I want to see a flood. See social distance be the measure of how far we all travelled when home was our only waymark, and those who were called then became numbered amongst the saviours when what matters was gathered up. May we be hungry, not for what was lost, but for what can be created from a spell of isolation. A chrysalis community, emerging whole, but wholly changed. Yay! Uh, this, this next two is, is a piece for bibliomancy. From actually one uh, was this was some that I provided uh, from John Lewis Stemple's glorious book The Running Hare, which if you haven't read and you want to know about the English countryside, I, I thoroughly recommend just because it's exquisite writing and so descriptive and detailed. Um, but he describes going to the to the birthplace of John Clare Kent, I think. Yeah, sounds right. So this is called Wild Lines, and it's for John Clare. It catches me running, too. Words following my footsteps, 
life spreading through my hand and weaving sentences in my mind before my pen can hit the paper. There before I lift my mind, assembling a murmuration I must catch before it dips, reforms, swinging through my sight lines, something hiding in the empty spaces, writing on blank driveways, singing into chimneys, whispering in thatch, giving voice to things that call and swoop and crawl into my fingers, making nests upon the pavement. Mess up on the page, yeah. I'm still and the, this. I'm still not sure about the title of this one because, yeah, titles are overrated. Except that's mainly when I can't get them right. <laughs> I think. I think mainly. I think they're overrated when I don't like the ones I've got. <laughs> um. So if anybody has better suggest a better suggestion than past p a s s e d Past lives. I want. I'd love to hear that. Past lives. The idea of a time when one of us existed and the other didn't. Time accordions. Lifetime squeezed into mine. See me then, ten years before, the one who changed everything. I wonder how she lived and what she filled her days with. Him, sun-hatted, climbing, before I was weaned. You, the epitome of young fox, wrapped up, wrapped up in a raincoat. There, a girl that never was, reaching notes and holding. And in my ears, the roaring sound of Sonder. Thank you for the illustration. Lives. Yeah, so Ken's sending me a, a picture that somebody had sent him of himself. Here, he's put it on screen. Thank you, love. Um, of him uh, in much in younger times, and me finding uh, some pictures. Handsome man. <laughs> uh, some pictures of me and realizing that they were twenty years ago. Whoa! Twenty more than that. When my mum was fifty, some family photographs that we had taken. Um, I'm thinking, but just yeah, realizing all of these people that are in my life, where our lives have collided, and how is it possible that they had a life when I didn't know them? <laughs> Lovely. Yeah. So that the him is my husband. Uh, the you is Ken and the girl that never was is our son today. Right. <laughs> it's lovely, really nice. If you've not heard the uh, the word sonder, is that is that what you're, John? Is that what you're referring to? Yeah. Um. So sonder is the is a word for the the realization that everybody around you has a, a life, <gasps> a life of their own. And you, that you don't know about, and it, I, that kind of breaks your head a little bit. There's a term for that. <laughs> I didn't know there was an actual term for that. Like, I, I thought to, it was I called growing up. 
No, I'll, I'll get the definition properly. I'll go and find it because I've got it somewhere. But, um, cool. yeah. Yeah, that. That's rad. Awesome. So, next we're going to go to Stilly, who I think I need to make a horse. It's when you realize that Everyone yeah. else's life is important okay. to them, as um, yours is to hello, you, everyone. Sunder. Hello! Hi. Right. I'm going to do a poem. Uh, last time I um, I did my caveman haikus, and I don't think that, that went down very well. <laughs> so I'm doing an ordinary one this time. Uh, well, it's not that ordinary, in that you can, um, well, see what you make of it. Okay. <clears throat> The Jerkins Approach. Detective Inspector Seth Jerkins pulled his watch chain but ignored the time. It paid to keep all suspects waiting when announcing that he'd solved the crime. Twenty years on the force to his credit, he'd cracked 85 murders to date, raging in scale from a strangled princess to a cat who had choked on white bait. But now he was hot on the trail of who had ever done in Lord Blighted, with shepherd's pie poisoned with arsenic and served with a landmine inside it. The suspects were gathered together in the study where Jerkins was waiting. Lady Blighted wore black as expected, but her lipstick was incriminating. Jaunty Headlock was the Lord's secretary and her writing seemed perfectly candid but she suddenly swapped her pen over as she recalled that she was right-handed. Captain Claude lit his cigarette slowly and shoved the door shut with a slam. Was he really allergic to chutney? Was that blood on his cuff or just jam? Dr. Doomley was as calm as ever, almost to the point of a sleep, yet his throw to the fire was just perfect as he destroyed a chemist receipt. The Lord's heir, Hugh Blighter the Younger, helped himself to his third gin refill. Then he patted the lump in his pocket, which was about the same shape as the will. The staff had been given the day off and had all left his lordship's estate. The de detective thumbed through his case files. It paid to make the suspects wait. The silence was broken by Jerkins, who thanked everyone for attending. I now know the truth of this murder and will soon bring the case to its ending. Someone in this room is the culprit. Of that I have simply no doubt. The police have the building surrounded. The guilty will find no way out. Several clues made detection work simple. The stains on his lordship's bed curtain, that strong pungent scent and the fingerprint all pointed to only one person. With one voice, they denounced the verdict, declaring how much they were innocent. But the look on the DI's face told them a charge of murder was imminent. In one hour, my sergeant has orders to come to the door of the manor and leave with myself and the killer in a calm and dignified manner. And although that murderous person is quite rightly due for the gallows, I have one more choice to present them, as my ethical stature allows. The only way out I can offer 
comes with honor, but at a high price. Confess all your sins in a letter and then sentence your own end of life. The deadline was then set for midday and the suspects all left the study. The detective looked out at his sergeant and mused on this business so bloody. And though his calm outward appearance gave Jerkins an all-knowing air, the truth was quite different really as to how he had solved this affair. For really he hadn't the faintest as to who did it, how did it, or why. The means and the motives were mysteries and even the booby trap pie. For years now he'd lived off his renown 